you ever heard about the Maccabi? Maccabi is a, is a name sure. of a basketball team of Yeshiva University. You know Yeshiva University in New York? You know ah, of course, yeah. Their, their uh, basketball team is called Maccabi. Now, the reason why it became famous, why I talk about it, I never do the, the basketball team for Yeshiva University. I have other things on my mind. I heard about it because they just lately, they, 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 have, they have a record that nobody ever in basketball team, in college basketball team ever broke, ever, ever reached. They played 50, they won 50 games, more than 50 games in a row. Really? It's pretty impressive. I don't know anything about basketball. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. And, and uh, that a Jewish team should be basketball players. And they, should, yeah. and, they, and they play. And in all the basketball team, male, female, any division, there was never in history this kind of record. Like they have over, that over 50 games in a row to win every, every, every game. Yep. Something never, never happened before. Now, this basketball team, Maccabi, is different from many other basketball team because in Yeshiva University, it's not enough that you're a good player. You have to daven every morning. They eat only kosher. They don't play on Shabbat. They don't practice on Shabbat, nothing. And some of the, of the team members are even starting to be rabbis. And basically, playing there is just a side job type of thing, side thing. It's not like the main right. thing. You know, you know, in other colleges, oh, if you're a basketball player and you're good, they'll give you, forgive you on, 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 the, on, the, on, the, on the test and the learning and this. Not in Yeshiva right. University. Like, right. this, is a, this is a Yeshiva. It's a, you're not a, you don't keep, it's not their job. It's not their main job. Exactly. You didn't come here to play. It's nice, but you didn't come here to play. Shouldn't be any, any misunderstanding here. You understand? The head of the Yeshiva is, I'm sure I'm not so excited, oh, yo, 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 the playing, it's right. unbelievable. Yeah, it's the not why the institution like, exists. Exactly. It, it, it's, not, it's not like Ohio State. Exactly. Yeah. That's not why they established the institution. Perfectly said. But who is responsible for this amazing success is a young man with the name Ryan Turell. He's 22 years old. He's, more, he's, he's like, I think he's six and a half feet, more than two meters tall. Six and a half feet, probably six, 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 five, six, six. I don't remember exactly. And his, his unbelievable level of playing Bought the team to is made the team to achieve this kind of, of success. Okay. Now, this Ryan Torell, he was able to get to go to any college he wanted. Colleges run, were running after him because he's a okay. good player, he's known to be a good player, and they wanted to give him a, a, a college, um, I mean, uh, tuition. They wanted to give him a, a scholarship. scholarship and everything, and he almost promised to West Point, like what it's called, it's a, in New York, West Point is a- is The a, military academy. The military, in a military uh, academy to go there. He promised, he didn't, he didn't sign anything, but he promised them that he will do it. They promised them the world. And they told them, don't worry, you can keep kosher here, you can be a Jew, you can observe mitzvot, you can come, don't worry. 
But before he decided, before he's going, he's going to, he called the Chabad rabbi who lives close to the college. And he asked him, what do you think about it? For me to go to West Point, it's in New York. Then the rabbi told them, listen, it'll be very hard to stay a religious Jew in, this, in such, this type of a college, of academy, a military academy. There is, it'll be hard with the kosher food. They will probably uh, practice on Shabbat. They will do uh, shooting grains and so on. It's not for you. And this young man decided to give up on West Point and to go to Yeshiva University. He said he was a religious, he was raised religious. That's what he is now. And that's what he wants to be in the future. He says, I will learn in Jewish day schools. I keep Shabbat and Kashrut. I'm going to throw everything away now. And he's not regretting of this decision. Even the Yeshiva University did not offer him a free scholarship. There, his parents have to pay $50,000 a year. He says he wants to bring pride to all the Jews in the world, and especially to show Jew, religious children that you can be a religious man and you can be a professional basket, basketball player. With a keeper, with a yarmulke. And I read about this boy, I was thinking to myself, who are his parents? Who raised such a boy that is ready to give up on $50,000 scholarship and just to play in a yeshiva when he knows that the other teams are usually better in other colleges can do much better. This boy was born in Los Angeles to, to parents that when they were young, they were not religious. His father started his religious journey and his wife was, his girlfriend who was not Jewish, converted Orthodox and married them. And both of them established a religious home. They keep Shabbos, they keep kosher, everything. These parents were an example. They were, a, they were the Israel models in two things, in religion and in basketball. And therefore he wanted to continue the same thing. When his parents asked him, why you give up on the college? We don't have to pay tuition, are you crazy? You know what he told them? He answered them with a question. Why you sent me to a religious uh, high school? Why you sent me to a religious day school? If you want me now to go to who knows where. Huh? You raised me really orthodox, right? Then what are you doing me a cop? And he was right. But it came because they were the true role models. They, were, they showed that Judaism is important to them. And it was important, and it's important to him too. And he will say, they, they say he's a very promising player. He will for sure go to, to the NBA, the NBA player. It's an NBA, right? You say the right thing. Uh, yeah, yeah. About the right thing. I just don't want to come out like an idiot. That I don't no, 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 no. You, you got it. You got it. Okay. So far, I think I passed the test about, about, uh, a basketball um, team that I until you, you two know days about ago, as much as I you know as much as I do. Until two days ago, I didn't even know they, they they exist. I never heard about this team. Not about the playing. Not about fifty games. Not about the third division. Not about all this nonsense. But now I learned, and by Shabbos I will know a little better. But no, they say that in all history of basket of a uh, college basketball, it's the first team that ever won fifty. 50 games in a row, over 50 games in a row. Hmm. It's impressive. You know, in the Torah. What's the importance you, of this? Oh, 
Oh, now you're getting, now you're talking like a Hasid. In the Torah, we're reading about um, this week's about Moses. And then last week, we read about a baby, a mother from the tribe of the Levites, married a father from the tribe of the Levites, and a baby was born, and she was hiding him for three months, and then she put him in a little basket by the river, right? And Pharaoh's daughter came down, and she found him, and she gave him the name Moses. Beautiful. But who is Moses? Who are his parents? It's not written. Nothing. Then the Torah continues that when he was 12, 20 years old, he came out to see his brothers, his slaves, the, his brothers who were slaves in Egypt, the Jews, the Ibus. And he saw an Egyptian policeman wants to kill a Jewish boy, a Jewish man, right? And he killed, the, he risked his life. He killed the Egyptian policeman and he got a death sentence in Egypt. He had to run away to media. Uh-huh. And you ask yourself, who is this man who is ready to save a brother that he never met in his life and to get a death sentence? Who is this guy? Why is he doing these things? Later in the Parsha, we read how God reveals, him, he reveals himself to Moses at, at, the, at, the, at the burning bush, right? And he tells them, let's send, let, let, go back to Egypt and I want you to redeem the Jewish people. And only then we learn that he has a brother with the name Aaron. Okay, at least we know he has a brother named Aaron. We don't know what his parents name, nothing. Name Aaron. He, got, he, comes, he, comes, to, he, comes, he comes back to, to Israel, to Egypt, gathers he and Aaron, he meets Aaron, his brother. They gather all the elders of Israel, the leadership, and he shares with them the news, you know? God sent me to redeem the Jewish people. Everybody gets excited. They say, hi, Mazel Tov, everything is good. Then he says, okay, we are going to Pharaoh to tell them, let my people go. You are all invited. They're making a big delegation with all the important people, the head of the federation, the chief rabbis, everybody is going. With the suits, with the ties, with the tuxedos, with the bow ties, everybody's going. As they're getting closer to the, to the palace, they're getting closer to the Pharaoh's palace, a little closer. One guy remembers, he has an appointment. Oh yeah, he forgot, I have a very important appointment he's living. He has to live. The second one says he has a stomach virus. He has a terrible stomach ache, he has to go somewhere else. The third one says he remembered that his wife told him to go shopping. The fourth one said another excuse, before long, everybody ran away. By the time they came to Pharaoh's palace, it was Moses and Aaron. Moses looked at Aaron, Aaron looked at Moses. That was it. You know why everybody ran away? Because by the entrance to Pharaoh's palace, there were piles of limbs of human beings. Legs, hands, heads. Because to Pharaoh's palace, you walked in. Not necessarily you're walking this out. Must be, this must be Talmud. I, I, the Medrash says yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, the Sure, Rashi, the Medrash. Basically, it was like a, like a, like a boiling oven, like a, like a boiling pot of water. It was dangerous to get there. Everybody ran away. Who is going to go there? That crazy. But Aaron and Moses looked at each other and said, we are going in. They walked in to the Hitler of that generation to the superpower of the world, the guy who considered himself God, and they came to tell him, let my people go. <laughs> let my people go, Why are you schleppers, to tell me let my people go, what a chutzpah. Who are 
the two people who had the guts to go to Pharaoh to tell them let my people go. You can say, oh, Moses was a unique person. One person is ready to do everything. He's ready to die for his brothers. But now you're talking about two brothers. Then the question is, which home are the brothers raised? They should go, let me, they should be, add, add, add the guts and the chutzpah and the self-sacrifice self to risk their life for the sake of the Jewish people. Where the, who is the parents? Finally, in this parsha, God, the Torah is kind enough to tell us who the parents are. Amram and Yochevet. Who is Yochevet? The first story in the, in the book of Exodus has to do with Yochevet. Right, the, the Pharaoh decided, he made a meeting of the final solution how to get rid of the Jews. The first thing he wanted to stop, the Jewish birth rate. Right. To reduce the amount of kids. What he did, he called the the the, 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 the women who were, uh, who were helping to the, the, the Jewish women to deliver babies. The midwives. The midwives, thank you. He called the midwives and he told them, when the babies are born, the Jewish midwives, the babies are born, if you see it's a boy, kill him on the spot. Then you say it was a stillborn baby. Something happened. Something went wrong. He couldn't breathe. He wanted to stop the birth of Jewish boys. Who was who was the midwife? You think the chief midwife was Yochavet. He called Yochavet and he told her, "I want you to make sure that the Jew you kill the Jewish boys when they are born." Yochavet left, and she never did it. She continued, not only she continued to deliver Jewish babies, she made sure they survived. She did anything in her power that every baby should survive. Pharaoh was not, uh, Pharaoh was no, no what's going on. He called them back and interrogated them. Why you didn't do what I told you? They gave him an excuse. He says, they told him, you know, the Jewish women are so capable. They don't need midwives. By the time I arrive, the baby's born, she's holding him in his hand, in his bosom, she's nursing him already. Too late. I don't know if Pharaoh bought the excuse, didn't, but the bottom line is they didn't do it. And the Rebbe said something amazing. To a mother, like you have it, who was ready to risk her life to deliver Jewish babies and not to listen to the superpower of the world to kill the Jewish babies, it's naturally that their children will have the same, will carry the same genes. She was risking her life for the sake of the Jewish people. Now surprised that Moses and Aaron was the same, or the same. Where should a Moses and Aaron be born? Amram was continuing to have babies, even when Pharaoh said, we'll throw them into the river. He wasn't afraid. To such parents are born, such children. They had yeches to their mother. The, the main issue was their mother. Yes, it's a good way to put it. Yes. Um, then this this was the mother, and that was the that was the children, and therefore they inherited the children. The 
you know, when, when there is Hasidic Jews who risk their life in Russia to spread Judaism, it's not surprising they have children who have this gene, carry their gene, who are ready to go all the way. Understand? I should go in like the parents. But the, but the lesson is, you know, there was once came to the Rebbe, the head of the television in Brazil, tele, all television stations in Brazil. And he told the Rebbe, I came specially from Brazil to ask you how I'm going to raise good children. Yeah. The Rebbe told them, when your children will see that in your house things are done the way God wants them, they will follow suit. If you do your own way and you want them to do another way, it's never going to work. Only when you will, when you will behave in, a certain, in this way, you'll be an example. Then when you talk to them about it, they will listen. But if you are not an example, they will never listen. Basically, it's just like this Ryan Turrell and it's like Moses and Aaron, and it's like everywhere. It's all about us. If we will behave like human beings, our children will learn from us. The children are a mirror of the parents. You want to know how you look like? You look in your child. You don't like what you see in the mirror? It's only a mirror, mister. Clean your face. You look in the mirror when you see your face is there, you don't go in the mirror. You don't start to wash the mirror. You wash your face. First taste. That's what it's all about. We have to wash, look in the mirror and wash our faces, clean our faces. It's all up to us.